This is Mercy Harper, writer for research services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with Lauren Trees, APQC's Principal Research Lead for Knowledge Management, and Holly Lyko-Gland, APQC's Principal Research Lead for Process and Performance Management, to talk about productivity. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren and Holly. Thanks, Mercy. Glad to be here. Same. Thank you for inviting. So today I'm going to point to three really pervasive myths about productivity, and my friends Lauren and Holly are going to disprove them. These two have spent a lot of time researching and talking to companies about their productivity challenges over the years. And in 2021, they partnered to do a huge project on productivity that included a survey of nearly 1,000 professionals. I'm really excited to hear from you too. So without further ado, uh, let's jump into myth number one. Humans are inherently lazy. I think this myth drives a lot of the discussion around both personal productivity and productivity inside organizations, whether it's the idea that we have to hack or trick our brains into being productive or that companies need to uh, continuously and closely monitor people to keep them from slipping into their natural state of laziness. So Lauren, uh, what did you see in the research that shows this to be untrue? It's funny, Mercy, because last week I was looking at some of our enduring lessons of knowledge management, and one of the bullet points we always have there is people hoard their time and energy, not their knowledge. And, and people hoard their time and energy not because they're lazy, but because those are finite resources that we have to allocate across all of our different work responsibilities and hopefully still have some left for the rest of our lives. So when we ask knowledge workers in our research what motivated them to be more productive, it's usually not, well, I have to, or my boss is looking over my shoulder, cracking a whip. It's really about a personal drive to do their job well and a desire to improve their work-life balance. So people want to work effectively. They want to feel like they're doing a good job and they don't mind being monitored in, in ways that help them grow and improve. But they can't do it all and still have the life that they want outside of work. So I think they're going to be circumspect about the tasks and projects that they take on, especially if they don't see those as core to their job or how their performance is measured. So I always think about the quote here that uh, programmers are the best programmers are, are lazy programmers, because rather than writing repetitive code, they find a, a simpler, easier way to achieve the same thing. So I think to the extent that knowledge workers are lazy, they're usually looking for that better, faster, simpler way to achieve the same goal. And instead of penalizing people for that, we should probably support that as a, a core part of what we want out of productive people. Absolutely. It's not about vo avoiding work. It's about avoiding busy work and stupid stuff. Um, so I want to move on to uh, myth number two, which is that productivity means doing more faster. Um, this is like that sort of assembly line widget making definition of productivity that just keeps sticking around despite the fact that we don't operate in that world anymore. Um, but this seems to be the number one way that people define productivity. So Holly, what did you see in the research that shows this isn't quite right? 
Well, first, I think you hit the, the nail right on the head with it. We have this legacy idea that faster is better because of Fordism and because of the Toyota lean methodologies, all of those things. Um, but I was really excited because um, the survey results actually showed the opposite. So we asked people, what were the major components of productivity in their world? And for knowledge workers, number one was actually uh, effectiveness rather than efficiency. I think it was like 75% of the survey respondents said that was part of their definition compared to, um, I think it was like 65 for efficiency. And I mean, there's a lot to be captured there. If we look at efficiency, it's really about making sure that we're doing things right. Whereas effectiveness is this idea of doing the right things, making sure that we're, we're focused on value, quality, and the outcomes of our processes. Um, and this is particularly important. Like you said, we don't necessarily live in that manufacturing um, kind of world these days. And instead, we're talking about creating knowledge and creating information and, and finding insights and on all of those things, um, plus some of the more human elements of, of creative thinking when we're doing work. Um, and I know Lauren's going to roll her eyes at me, but um, I think Dr. Drucker had a lot of really great things to say. He has this list of what productivity for knowledge workers means. Um, and I think number five is probably the most appropriate or relevant one. And it's that productivity of knowledge workers is not at least not primarily a matter of quantity of output. It's looking at the quality being at least as important. Um, so that was incredibly interesting from that perspective, is this idea that actually effectiveness is, is much higher, even though it doesn't get as much screen time. Absolutely, it really ties back to what Lauren was saying about um, her quote about programmers, you know, creating a million lines of quote, code might look like uh, productivity according to that efficiency definition, but one uh, lazy line of code that gets the same job done really works for that effectiveness definition of productivity. Um, so my last myth to bust is uh, the idea that productivity is personal. And I'd like to get both of you to weigh in on this one because it's so pervasive and honestly, so profitable. This is the idea that launched a thousand self-help books, uh, professional coaching careers, apps, gadgets of all sorts, um, just all sorts of like tools and techniques that individual people are supposed to apply to be more productive. Um, so what did you guys find in the research that shows that the idea behind all of this stuff is actually at least kind of a myth. Um, Holly, you want to take this one? Sure. I think there's aspects, like you said, of productivity that can be personal, right? We, we want to do a good job. We want to be responsible um, and conscientious about the work that we do. But I really think that productivity is actually more of a team sport. There's a lot of different elements that go into being effective and efficient. Um, from the research, and when we also ask that question, so what do you guys consider productivity? Um, two other elements that came up was taking on work that wasn't assigned to you, A, to support your team goals, and B, to support the overall organization's success. So that means we're looking at productivity from a broader perspective, not just about how well we as an individual are doing, but how we are supporting and working with our teammates and how we are supporting the goals of the organization. So tying that into that bigger picture. Um, I think the other part of that is then if you also look at the fact that management has a huge role to play in productivity of its work workers, um, you have to make sure employees have what they need to be able to be productive. 
Um, and without those, you know, you can't really hold somebody accountable for, for bad productivity if they don't have access to the information they need, if they don't know what processes they're supposed to execute, and they don't understand what rules there are for making decisions when they're executing those processes. So it's, it's definitely, in my opinion, kind of a team sport. This is the old psychology versus sociology argument writ large, right? How much of productivity is your personal drive, your personal motivation, and how much of it is affected by the organizational culture, the systems, the processes that you operate within? And, and I think the interesting thing for me is that organizations Although you have this self-help culture around being productive, organizations don't tend to care if you feel productive. They just wanna look at the output, which is often a team output. Sometimes there's individual goals, but it's often you know, coming out of a broader process or a broader system. Um, but, but what we found in the research that interests me in this interplay is that your experience of your own productivity irrespective of what you actually accomplish, really matters to things like how much frustration and stress you feel, your overall job satisfaction, and how likely you are to leave your current job or, or your current organization. So I actually think it would be helpful for organizations to rebalance how they look at productivity and how the systems and processes that they have in place make you feel about you know, being personally productive because people who feel more productive tend to be more engaged and that ultimately makes them better contributors and better assets to the organization. I say, and I think you had kind of also had a really good point there is and going back to that whole personal versus group mentality is if we look at outputs, outputs were usually then specifically looking at what is the outcome of, of, of a series of steps in a process that creates something and a very few processes are, are one single role. Instead, you have to look at how several different roles work together to get that output, like mm -hmm. you said. Um, and that's why we saw some in some of the research, some of the detractors were, you know, ad hoc processes, lack of knowledge, like I said. Um, some of those things that all the information on how to do my work is in my head. I'm, I'm having to do workarounds for my processes. Um, and some of that clarity around there really hinders that perspective. Yeah, I think it's a real balancing act between having clear owners for tasks and accountability and racy charts and all those kinds of things. And at the same time, recognizing that most work is a collective product that needs to be measured and accounted for mm -hmm. accordingly. Absolutely. So now I want to turn to some recommendations and advice from my two productivity gurus. Um, so if you could both give me your your do now, your number one action item for individual workers that want to improve productivity um, based on your research. Uh, Lauren, you want to kick us off on this? I feel like you want a really practical answer and I'm going to give a really philosophical one. As an individual, you probably don't have that much control over, for example, whether your organization documents its business processes or implements new software. But I think what you can do is an analysis of what makes you personally more or less productive and, and where you're losing time and energy in ways that are personally frustrating or, or driving you crazy. And, and once you have that list and you're 
kind of have your three or four things that maybe you want to tackle. Uh, you can look at, well, these are some things I can work on myself, the self-help uh, psychology perspective, and then others that maybe you need to talk to your manager, talk to senior leadership, and get some help around. And Holly and I talk about this all the time. One of the things that we feel like would make us more productive as research leads is to get some big blocks of uninterrupted time for deep concentration so we can really spend some time with data, spend some time with analysis, and really do the kind of thinking that we feel like is core to our productivity in our role. And some of that we can do ourselves by marking our calendar and, and committing to that time. But we also need our manager's support, organizational support to help protect that time and prevent us from getting meetings and other things that take those little shark bites out of, out of those, those blocks. So I think there is the personal aspect and there is the organizational aspect and they're always intertwined. Um, but, but I think just being really smart and objective in the root cause analysis of, of where you're losing time and what you can do to address it. I think there's a, a, also a, a big part of like the empowerment of employees, though. I mean, you have no control over that in your organization. However, you do have control over identifying those hiccup areas like you talked about, whether you're doing it through data analysis by kind of measuring your productivity, um, your hours spent on different activities, things like that, um, or even having conversations with your, your peers to, to go about doing those things. Um, you know, frontline workers, knowledge workers, we're all at kind of in the in the weeds as far as what happens. So we understand how processes are actually being executed, when and where we can't find information, where it's maybe outdated um, and all of these things. And it's kind of our, our duty to identify those improvement opportunities, hmm. um, but in a way that talks, and this is where it tends to be a little bit more beneficial, is don't just come to them with a, here's an inefficiency. Um, come proactively with, here's some potential solutions. And if you can collaborate with your peers on those beforehand and put together a business case, um, even if you don't have a, a process team or a knowledge management team, you're much more likely to get traction because um, management loves it when you not, you don't just be the squeaky wheel, but also be the solution. Um, but that also gives you know a sense of empowerment for everybody as an individual as well, right? We are controlling how well we do our work and how we can make it better. And, and I think that goes a long way to driving uh, better productivity at the individual level. Bring a group, bring data, and bring solutions. I think that's great advice. Absolutely. Um, so to close out, I wanted to ask you guys both each for a do now for leaders that um, want to improve the, the productivity of their teams and their organizations. Uh, Holly, you wanna kick us off on this? Um, my, my favorite saying is get your, your process, your knowledge and your data house in order. Um, without those things, people tend to have a lot of struggling points. If you don't have standardized processes, people are going to have to rework what they're doing over and over and over again, um, which is not just bad from productivity. It's also bad from the customer's perspective. Um, simplify your processes. We tend to overcomplicate them. Um, in general, and, and instead just looking at what are the main steps and then look at variability. Then when you're looking at either regions or product lines or things along those lines, instead of trying to have a monster uh, Visio chart that has every potential if-then situation in it, all you're going to do is confuse your employees. Um, train management, one of the biggest things that came up in the research that was effective 
is if you train management to identify bottlenecks, identify solutions, um, then they can their mentor and help their employees do work better. Um, use data, back to the previous session, right? Use data to make decisions. So I know we tend to have a, a large issue with having our data houses in order. Um, I think one of the things that shocked me from the research was that when we talked about how is your productivity measured, most of it was self-reported. Individuals saying, I spent X hours on this, five hours on that, and then they just fill in that sheet, send it off to management, and, and that's it. Um, we're not looking at data in an objective way when we're talking about productivity, typically. Um, part of that is also, I think, when you're looking at that data, you should be looking at, at the process level, not at the individual level, because most of the problems aren't with individual workers. Like we said, most people want to do a great job, um, but their processes are broken, or they're not clear, or there's too many redundancies. Um, so using data to, to focus on the process issue, not the individual issue, can take you a long way. Um, and finally, I mean, you got to rely on your people. Like I said, they want to do a good job. Um, so understanding and being open for them to do to do that empowerment aspect, right? To be open to understand and look for some potential solutions they bring forward to you. I wonder sometimes if the myths around humans being lazy cause us to ask the wrong questions here as leaders. I do think that there are some practical things that a lot of organizations are struggling with that we need to address <laughs> across a lot of different enterprises. A lot of people are drowning in distractions. Our research suggests that people are spending nearly 10% of their work time just trying to keep on top of internal communication streams, whether that's chat or project teams or uh, internal email. And so I think setting some business rules around how and, and when you want people to communicate can be really powerful in preventing responsiveness from becoming a proxy for productivity, since for a lot of roles, especially strategic and creative roles, responsiveness is actually the antithesis of real productivity, and you really want to work that out. People are also at the macro level spending a ton of time looking for or requesting information that they need to do their work. And this is just a problem from a knowledge management perspective that we see inch up and up every year as this mass of unorganized digital information inside organizations uh, grows. And you need content management strategies, you need content owners, you need good search tools to keep that from becoming a massive drain on people. And as organizations continue to put that in the nice to have back burner category, it progressively gets worse and is wasting more and more people's time and becomes a real source of stress and frustration. And then the third culprit that I see is unnecessary and unproductive meetings. And we've seen that skyrocket during the pandemic and a lot of organizations need to take a look at whether they have the right cadence of meetings, whether they have too many people in those meetings. Mercy, you and I have, have written a lot about that over the course of the last year <laughs> or two. And just having some simple business rules around when we need a meeting and when we don't need a meeting and what kind of preparation you need to do to make sure the meeting's efficient and, and effective. But I, I also, so those are my practical thoughts. I also think we maybe need to take a step back and look at how employees are measured and incentivized. 
um, because that overwhelmingly will drive their behavior when it comes to productivity. So if you don't feel like people are being quote unquote productive in the way that you want, instead of assuming that they're lazy or assuming that they're just not working hard enough, you really may need to think about the goals and assessments in place to make sure that they are focused on the things that are most important to your mission and objectives and goals as a leader. And making sure that there's alignment there, I think is critical to ensuring that individual productivity cascades up into the process productivity and the organizational productivity that you wanna see. And I think you have a great point on the measures there in particular, especially when we look at that contrast, right? That myth about um, productivity is uh, efficiency. And, and volumetric and cycle times and all the rest of this stuff. Um, and a lot of times we see those as the majority of the measures because they're easy. People really struggle with measures for effectiveness. Um, though, I mean, one of the things, so that was, you know, quality was considered the highest measure used by the survey respondents, but almost everything else below that was volumetric or product or that efficiency measure below hand. And though quality is a great measure, it means a different thing depending on what your output is. And so a lot of people struggle with that. And so we tend to default into that efficiency category because it's simpler and easier. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much for coming on the pod today. Thank you, Marcy. Thank you. So before we go, I wanted to let our listeners know that we've linked some free resources in the episode description. So definitely go check those out. And once again, I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for listening to this APQC podcast. To learn more about our research, please visit apqc.org. And we hope you'll have a great rest of your day. Music